Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode number 68 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Jason Blummer of Blummer & Associates, who shares how you can leverage your most valuable resource, your time. While Jason is a CPA and provides his clients, agency owners, with bookkeeping services, that doesn't begin to cover all the ways Jason and his team can help turn creative business owners into mature business owners. In our chat, we cover everything from why bookkeeping should be seen as an investment to when you can afford to hire an employee. And while he shares some great tactical advice there, it's hard to generalize that advice across all agencies. So Jason covers how you should think about these decisions so you can choose the paths that make the most sense for your agency. Ultimately, though, you won't be able to focus on these decisions if you're stuck in the day-to-day of running your business. So Jason shares his strategies for helping agency owners focus on what really matters so they can get the most from their limited time. If your business is growing, but you don't feel like your processes have matured at the same pace, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Jason. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hey, Andy, how are you doing, man? It's good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. And I was actually telling you before we started that I'm weirdly excited to talk about the ins and outs of agency bookkeeping. I never thought I would say that, but here I am. <laughs> Listen, finances and money, that's what everybody wants to talk about, as long as they have a lot of it, right? Exactly, exactly. And so you're the founder and CEO of Blummer & Associates, where you turn agency owners into mature business owners. How do you do that? Good question. Um, so, wh- so since we're f- solely focused on the agency market, that's our niche. That's that's who we serve. We, we've been able to wrap some traditional financial services like accounting, controllership, tax, you know, payroll, uh, with some other more transformative things that do mature agency owners. And it's things like business coaching and consulting to grow agencies. Uh, and we're a virtual firm, so technology is always a part of that. So, um, so we're not just a traditional firm that just does accounting and tax. We kind of wrap that around with some transformative things that are more of you know our high value services like the coaching and consulting that really mature the business owner. When a lot of people think of bookkeeping, they think of accounting. They think of it as as a cost center. They think of like, all right, to to get my books in order to get these things once a year or monthly or whatever I want to handle it, I'm going to have to pay someone else to deal with this just to get out of my hair. But the way you have your business set up, it seems like it's more of an investment. And so how did you come about this different business model? <laughs> uh, years and years of trying a bunch of different things. I think that's how you, you come about a valuable business model. Um, typically, any business uh, does it that way. Well, I guess I guess we don't want people to perceive, you know, things like accounting and tax as, um, you know, a call center. We want them to think about it as an investment because, um, if you don't know a lot of those things uh, in your business, then you can't know other things like the metrics and the KPIs that drive a healthy business. And maybe it's hard for people that are doing the accounting internally to see its value uh, because for them, maybe the agency owner, it's not a value to them. And it's probably because they don't you know, fully understand it. And that's why our goal with the firm is to mature agency owners. We want to help them understand what does it mean to even run a business and what does it mean to, you know, to look at financials? Uh, so on the outset, a lot of agency owners may look at accounting and go, that's not really strategic. 
strategic in any way. It doesn't help me look forward, um, you know, into the future to see how well I'm doing. And that's true. That's not the purpose of accounting. Uh, it actually is a it's a lagging indicator of your value. Basically, that's what it is. So if you look at your financials last month. Uh, and you see profit, then what that's telling you basically in the short term that what you're doing, that is the business model that you're selling and offering to clients online that you're getting paid for, actually has some value because you have leftover profit that you can retain in the business. And then when you have accounting, uh, we like to look at accounting in in kind of a trend. So we want to put month to month to month so we can see a trend now of profitability. Is it trending up? Is it trending down? What time of the year does it trend up? What time of the year does it trend down? So now we start – now we have long-term history, um, and even though it's in the past, it is a still a lagging indicator of the value of what you're offering uh, does have value because you are producing profit. And, of course, on the flip side, if you are consistently producing losses – there is a there is a problem with your business model. Something you're not getting something basically right, um, and it could be a lot of things. Could be you're paying people too much. Could be that you're not getting the right types of clients, and it could be that you're not pricing correctly uh, for the value that you're delivering. Um, so there's just there's so much tied up in basic financials that typical owners don't understand. So if we help them mature and understand those things, uh, then we can help them start to see the value. Uh, that come out of basic financials. And what does this maturation process typically look like? Like who are your average customers? What sort of position are they in when they come to you? Oh, all kinds. So we can, you know, we can serve um, just a designer that's on their own uh, or, you know, agencies probably in the one to two million dollar range or the five hundred thousand to two million dollar range are kind of our bread and butter. Um, But, you know, agencies up to 20 people, you know, with uh, three, four million um, can can be helped too. you know, with the technology that we offer and things like that. We really want to we want to take the heavy lifting of the financial piece of the agency off the shoulders of the owner. Um, that's one goal of ours. And that's one way to mature an agency owner. A lot of times, um, if they're embedded in their own financials and tax and not even that, even if they've hired their own internal bookkeeper that works for their, their agency, they're still so embedded in a detail that's really not going to move their business forward. So if we can come in and that agency owner is ready to give over the control of those financial – the financial management to us, then now they – there's a hole in their you know, their job description, which is basically filled with more strategy and you know, visioning and looking forward and trying to determine how to price, how to build a more healthy business model, build team culture. These things that add a lot of value to an agency that you can then price for. So we just want to – Part of the maturing process is taking the load of the financial management off of their shoulders uh, and then kind of coaching them and sometimes doing consulting through how to use uh, that time uh, to build a company and scale it. And obviously, coaching can be valuable at almost any stage of a business. But for your your clients in particular, at what point does it make sense for them to really start looking at, at more of outsourcing their accounting and their bookkeeping in, in the financial side of things? Yeah, I think you do want to get to some some level. Um, and, and, you know, it's I mean, if you start reaching two fifty, three hundred thousand dollars a year, 
Um, I mean, you're going to be hiring people anyway at that point. Um, it's a good time to start thinking about, you know, outsourcing, you know, some of your accounting and financial management to somebody else. And, you know, it's I mean, we're a perfect firm to do that because not only do you you can grow with our firm, you can start small at that accounting and we can do compliance packages like accounting and tax. Uh, but we can move into, you know, these higher maturity things too, uh, like virtual controllership where we can help you manage really the controllership phase of your agency, pay your bills, manage your cash, send your invoices. And then I can coach people and me and my partner can do consulting. So we're just a firm people can grow with. They can start small. You know, if they do $250,000 in revenue, that's a, you know, it's time to start thinking about offloading some of that. Um, and doing that to a firm like us means you can grow uh, in in our services with us. And, and I like how earlier you were talking about that oftentimes agency owners can get embedded in details that they just don't need, that don't help them move the agency forward. And I think this is a clear area where that happens. And obviously, at a certain point, when you're just starting out, you need to do as much as possible for cash reasons, but also just that's just what it's like in the early stages of an agency. But once they are at this point where they're able to hand over a lot of these responsibilities to you or to any other partner, what should the agency owner be paying attention to in terms of their finances? I'm guessing it's it's not just they let you handle everything and they don't look at another number for the rest of their life. There has to be some insight that they have. So how do you recommend that they keep a, a finger on the pulse from that point going forward. Yeah. So, yeah, what we don't want people looking at is um, just really raw financial statements. I mean, sometimes we still do that. Um, some people are interested in looking at their financial statements. So a lot of times if we do uh, higher level work with an agency, we might also work into our packages, uh, monthly review meetings or quarterly review meetings where we're showing them the their financials. We're showing them the trending of their financials uh, and things like that. But more than anything, really what we want agency owners to do is to look at summarized information. That's a really key uh, to, to knowing you know, how well your business is doing. And you get that when you start developing metrics and KPIs, whatever you want to call it. That's basically just getting financial statements and just kind of summarizing it into big buckets. Uh, Coming up with some goal percentages, comparing your percentages to the goal percentages, uh, developing things that we have like uh, salary cap metrics, labor efficiency metrics. If if you're doing that now, what you're doing is you're looking at very high level trends uh, because metrics and KPIs are really not about the money. It's really about the movement and the information you're gaining and the trends you're seeing over time. So when we we, we want to move people away from details because there's really there's no transformation in details. I mean, if you're looking at office supplies, trying to figure out where that $30 charge came from, that's ultimately not going to really move your company forward in any way. So we want to like we almost want to take the details away from the owner and kind of squish it into these summarized agency metric spreadsheets that we build and and let them just look at like four or five lines of their profit and loss statement and say it doesn't matter really what's in there. Uh, just look at the trends, big picture. Is it telling you you're headed in the right direction or is it telling you overall, here's the area where things are broken? Let's go fix that area. Um, so we just want to summarize and give less details uh, and start looking at trends and, and metrics and bigger picture views of financial numbers. So this makes me think a lot of another conversation I had with actually a, a software founder 
Patrick Campbell, who runs a software startup called ProfitWell. And what they do is they hook into Stripe, Braintree, whatever payment processor you're using, and they'll pull in all of the data to give you a dashboard view into your metrics. And what they found out is that ultimately, while founders sometimes love getting that quick view into things, ultimately those metrics don't mean a ton on their own. You need to understand what they're showing you and the bigger picture of things. And it's interesting the way you have your business set up because bookkeeping, just if I know I'm spending X percent on something or if I know my profits are growing at Y percent or whatever, if I know these things, they don't really tell me much. They might paint a picture, but they don't. I, I can't act on them without getting deeper insights. And it seems like a lot of what you do is help agency owners get those insights into say in into what the numbers are painting as a picture. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what we want to do. Um you I mean anybody can pull up their profit and loss statement in their accounting uh, package and you know that tells you something but you you always want to add to it. Let's add some trends uh, to other months. Like you you want to you want to you want to compare what you've got to other months, to other years to other agencies, to some kind of goal, to some target. So you want to you want to know what am I what kind of do I think I should be doing and compare what I am doing to what I think I should be doing. That's what gives you some insight to say I'm not I'm not in line with what I thought I should be. Um and why not? Then you can start asking the questions. But if you just look at a raw set of financial statements, a profit and loss statement, revenue minus expense, you, you don't know if it's right or wrong uh, unless it's a loss. You know, if you're generating losses every month, then um, something's wrong and you got to fix something in your business model. Um, but it doesn't tell you much unless until you start you know, creating summarized information, comparing it to other pieces of information, uh, comparing it to goal percentages and coming up with other metrics and things like that. That's when the value of financial information really starts to kick in. Yeah. And, and when, you, when you talk about that, just looking at the overall profit and loss, when you just look at the, the big numbers, they don't tell you a ton right away. But if you dig into them and see where money is coming and where it's going out and look at trying to identify different trends, it, it can start to paint more of a picture. And I know that you've personally seen inside dozens of agencies and you have a really good idea of what the costs of a thriving agency look like compared to those of one that's struggling. And so when you're looking at a struggling agency's numbers, what usually jumps out at you? Like where are they typically missing the mark? So when we do business coaching, there are some key, key places when we see a, an agency struggling. Um, and labor is a big issue. Uh, that's the biggest expense in a professional services company. And that's what an agency is. It's basically, you know, you're selling the knowledge and the abilities of people. Um, and so labor is going to be your biz- biggest expense. Um, so that's why in our agency financial metric spreadsheet, we we kind of figure out some salary cap metrics, which is basically how much should you be spending on salaries? You know, we want to know that number. And what is a labor efficiency metric? Um, you know, what is the efficiency and productivity of the people, the dollar amount of people that you've hired and things like that? Um, so uh, labor is a key issue. Uh, that you always want to look at. Um, but the top line is also an issue. When I say the top line, I mean the the revenue, the money coming from your clients. A lot of times there's a lot of fear based in uh, how people price or bill by the hour. And we're kind of a, a value pricing you know, proponent uh, firm. 
Uh, not that everybody does it or has to do it, and that's a client of ours, and that's fine. But sometimes they get pricing wrong. They're not pricing their value. Um, and so you know, if they can get their labor under control, they can actually price appropriately. The, the next – the third really biggest thing is – the, the client in intake is really is really a big issue. And a lot of times as agencies grow, they keep the same types of clients that they've always had uh, because they feel bad when they outmature their clients, which is common for a growing professional services company. You typically get better and better and you kind of need to start shedding a certain type of client. Um, and at some point, if you don't uh, on a regular basis, remove clients from your client base and replace them with different types of clients, then those, then that legacy client base can actually hold an agency back, can actually keep it from growing because, because their maturity is not, is not growing it with the maturity of the agency. So as the agency owner and the teams that they're hiring get better and better and better at things and start adding strategy and whatever to their work, they now have a base of clients that can't buy those things. And so now they have to go find the right clients that can buy the things they're now able to sell and, and that actually come with a higher price. Um, so those are those are three big ones. It's the labor um, and it's how you price and are you pricing appropriately according to your value. And really this who's on your client list. You know there are people that probably shouldn't be there and you should uh, be replacing them with more mature clients. And, and I love how you laid it out like that because there are so many times in any sort of business, but especially the service business, where you can look at just the numbers and get an idea of, all right, things should be different, but without having benchmarks, without having certain metrics that you know where they should be at, it's really hard to diagnose and actually improve. So you laid out a few great areas to look into for any agency owner to make sure they're on the right track. But I want to dig into the labor costs a little bit, not necessarily salaries, but in terms of expanding. When you're talking to agencies that are growing quickly, how do you typically advise them on when to make the decision on when am I ready to bring on the next employee? Yeah, <laughs> that is really hard. Um, you know, in, in the coaching I've done for eight, nine years, it, there there is really no formula uh, for when do you hire? Um, a lot of times it's, it really depends on what the agency's doing, uh, what risk profile they have. So, because there are times when you need to hire before you have the clients. Um, and obviously that can get you in trouble cause you can hire and not have the money to pay those people. But you would look at your agency and go, we really have some history now of growth. Uh, we have strong business development and we have really good uh, pricing, um, and so I think we're ready to take the risk to go ahead and hire this next investment that's going to let us continue to grow. Um, or there may be times when you're a smaller agency and you're like, you know what, we can't afford to take that kind of risk. So we're going to go get some clients and we're going to kind of uh, overwork ourselves a little bit. And the agency owner will typically be the one to, to carry that burden. Um, and then they go hire because they actually have the money uh, to hire. Um, so it, it is really hard to know when to hire. I've heard people say different things like hire right before you need it. Uh, it but nobody knows what that point is. Like is now right before when I need it. You kind of don't know. So you just want to assess the overall health of your agency and go, you know, if we make an investment now, that is, do we have the cash to make an investment now? And will that pay off with the influx of clients we typically see come at this time of year in our agency? And if not, then it, it might not be the right time, 
you know, to make that investment. Um, other labor investments you can make are, um, you know, producing team members and non-producing team members. Um, it, it may be that it's time to hire, a, I don't know, a creative director or somebody that's going to work directly with a client. Um, and, and then what you can do is you can match up their salaries matched up to the revenue from a client. But sometimes at, at certain areas, you know, especially when you start reaching five to eight people, you're going to you're going to have to start building an infrastructure of people who help run the company. Uh, and it could be administrative people, project managers that don't really have revenue tied, you know, directly to their payroll. Um, and you have to make those investments, too. And those are really risky because you're just you're just hiring people and actually no new revenue is created from the hire, but it might actually improve customer service uh, because now, now the team's not overworked. You've got support now from project managers, whereas the owner may have been providing that support before. Uh, and now customer and service can improve, uh, you know, and over time service can improve. Pricing can go up as the value increases and you can start getting a different type of client who has money to pay different amounts. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. That's hard. It, it's a very tricky problem because it's something where you hear people lament, oh, I should have hired this person a lot earlier, but they, they don't know really when. And you, you've heard people on the other side of it say, we hired before we were ready and we had to let people go or I had to not get paid for a little bit until we could get ramped up. There's, there's not like a set answer to it. But one thing I think that would be helpful is for a lot of agencies, especially when they're smaller and work heavily with contractors and the shift from a contractor to a W2 employee is something that they know it's going to be more expensive because they know there's other costs that they have to absorb, but it's hard to really get a better picture on how much extra or how much they should be preparing to spend. So if you haven't hired someone as a W2 employee before, how much should you be willing or prepared to budget above their salary? Yeah, so so you're kind of talking about uh, fixed costs versus variable costs, right? So, um, you know, uh, if you if you pay somebody as a salary, then that's a fixed cost, which means the cost is the same all the time, whether you have revenue or not. But a variable cost is really, man, that's the best kind of cost, right? Because it it goes up as revenue goes up. And then that variable cost goes down as revenue goes down. And so a a lot of people do, uh, they get tripped up a lot of times when they move um, their costs from a variable cost to a fixed cost. And you're doing that when you're basically saying, all right, I'm, I'm a small agency. I've built, you know, this small agency on contractors, which, you know, is a good way to start your agency. Um, but then w- but then what you don't have is you don't have the full focus of that contractor. So you might start seeing the need to really have a person fully dedicated to your vision and your purpose. And that's when you want to start thinking about making the commitment to bring in that fixed cost on. So what you don't get from a contractor is you don't get their full commitment. They're running a business. They can't be part of your culture. Um, you know, they can't fully dedicate themselves to you. Uh, you may want them. They may say no. You may say, hey, let's hurry and do this, uh, this project, because it's going to give us more money. They may say, I don't have that ability. I'm working with other clients. And if you want to control that, then it might be a good time to move them to a fixed cost. But, you know, what you get really is a you get a new type of team member that's fully committed to you. Uh, You may not pay them as much as you paid them as far as the rates you would pay a contractor, but you get their full commitment. Now what you can do is you can leverage that team member and you can actually grow a company by leveraging the the labor dollars you're spending. Uh, and you really only can build, you can really only scale and build a big company 
when you build a team that's fully committed to your your agency internally. Uh, contractors can just they can take you only so far. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's just the model you got to choose. Right. And so once you have made that transition, once you have decided you're at a point where you really invested in building up something, something bigger than just kind of a conglomeration of freelancers, you want something that people are committed, it has its own culture, you have your own brand. What are some of those extra costs that are associated? Because like if if I'm going from just hiring an Upwork to actually hiring someone, like I don't even know the first thing about say like payroll taxes and benefits. Like what are the things I need to be considering? Yeah. So typically we tell people uh, when you take when you move somebody from a contract labor, uh, which is a variable cost to a salary or something like that, or you if you pay them hourly, that's still considered uh, a fixed cost. Um, you just add 9% to their salary, and that's a rough guess as to what the payroll taxes are going to cost you. So, uh, Or you can you know, make it 10%, whatever, just to make it easy. Uh, so that's going to be the cost to you. Um, I think a lot of smaller agencies also, they add in benefits too soon. Um, benefits are extremely expensive, extremely expensive. And uh, most small agencies in the five to eight people range are not even ready to add in benefits because you're going to be adding, you know, uh, five to nine thousand dollars in cost a month uh, to, to give benefits to all these people. And most agencies just can't afford that. So that's a re- that's a big agency commitment. So uh, we've seen people add benefits when they really have no business offering health care uh, and things like that. So, uh, when you're, you know, up to five to eight people, it just, and it totally depends. Um, you know, you really should just be adding people and then bearing the, that 9% payroll tax and really benefits come when you're a much larger agency. Okay. And what do you think needs to happen for the benefits to make sense other than just being bigger? Like do these smaller agencies, I'm sure some of them are thinking like, all right, I might not necessarily be able to truly afford this comfortably, but if I don't give benefits, if I don't give these things, I'm going to have a hard time attracting talent. So how do you have that balance of being more numbers minded about when the timing is right for it versus getting the right people in? Yeah. Well, so I would say you want to start offering benefits when you have to hire team members that are such experts that your clients require it. So uh, it really is at some point your agency is becoming known for an expertise or whatever. Uh, It's getting really good at the thing that it does. And when that becomes true or you're focused on some kind of healthcare niche or something like that, when that's true, you need a particular type of team. And you have to have that particular type of team um, like a like just a standard agency might have, you know, a designer, developer or even outsource the development at first when they're smaller. Um, but if you're a full on development shop, sometimes the engineers you're required to have, you might pay them one hundred one hundred twenty five. $120,000 a year, depending on what part of the country you're in. And so your clients require such an expert service that you're required to have expert team members. And now those are the people you can't, you can't lose. And those are the people often that will require that you implement benefits. Um, but that's why I'm saying when you're younger, a lot of people implement benefits too, too soon because a benefits is such a heavy cost. You really should only do it when you're trying to keep the highest based people uh, but if you've got, you know, still younger designers and contractors, you kind of don't need to offer that to them because even if they're 
the risk of them leaving, it, it, that, that risk is pretty low because you could replace them probably uh, somewhat easier than you could replace a $120,000 you know, technology star, I guess. Right. It seems almost like it comes down to supply and demand is that like if the market for what you're hiring for is strong and you can hire very fast and there's plenty of talent out there, then it's okay to you don't need to worry about this as much. But as you start moving up market, as you start selling the expertise and skill of your team as part of your selling point, then you're going to have to there's only gonna be so many people who can fit that criteria. And often the market will just demand that you have to pay them more that's yeah sometimes the market will do that and you know one the one thing we add uh, we do business coaching and that's where I might meet uh, once a quarter with the business owner and a lot of these you know uh, you're asking a lot of great questions but a lot of them uh, the answer is it depends on a lot of these things it depends on where you're going what's your vision how fast are you moving do you have a niche I mean what kind of services do you offer and business coaching can really it's a trusted private uh, relationship with an, an agency owner that really is asking them the hard questions and asking them, why are you assuming it's time to add benefits? Why now? Why not later? You know, why do you need to hire that position or even challenge them to hire? Stop paying contractors. It looks like you're valuable enough to commit to a team and the benefit you're going to get from that team is worth the investment you're going to make in them. So the business coaching kind of wraps up these these basic uh, you know, questions that agency owners have and really challenge them to make decisions that are really going to be good for their particular agency. And it's just the value of personalized advice from an expert, from someone who understands the nuance, who, who can go beyond the best practices and say, well, this might work for these other agencies. In your case, this is what you need to focus on. And I think that's the value of business coaching. That's the value of training from experts that's the value of even just having a mastermind of other agency owners who are in a similar place as you yeah definitely something business coaching will often tap into is really the the personality of that agency owner like sometimes they're very fearful people uh you know they might not be growing because they're they're fearful of leadership i mean uh, there's a lot of things that individual agency owner could be going through, and a coach can really pinpoint some of that where they may think, oh, my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. I need to hire somebody when really maybe that's not it. Um, and through a series of questioning, we might find out, OK, you've got five key clients that you shouldn't have because they're overwhelming you. Uh, they're actually creating losses. Uh, they're not profitable. So get rid of them. And then you probably don't need, you know. Uh, to to hire somebody maybe uh, and then let's price your services let's let's seek to double your price if in fact your value is much higher than you think it is uh, and so we can we can do some things that are actually more right for that agency owner that's maybe fearful uh, and and they can be challenged in a way that help them to grow uh, where it might not be a financial issue uh, it might look like a financial issue like can I hire do I have the money? When really it might be the persona of that agency owner that needs to be pushed and challenged. Where did you get this domain expertise? Like how did you develop your knowledge in the agency world? I, you know, I think it comes from, uh, you know, where a lot of expertise comes from. It just comes from doing it a lot. Um, you know, we were a traditional firm. You know, I've been running the leading the firm for 13 and a half years, but it started in 97 
Uh, my dad started it in 97, and it was a traditional firm. Um, and so we started uh, getting some agencies really around the country when we were just still a brick-and-mortar office here in uh, our South Carolina office in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, and then we, we, we noticed agencies uh, start to come to our firm just because other people referred them to us. And they were just probably smaller design shops, really. Uh, it's kind of what we were getting in. Um, and so then we started targeting them and saying, well, we, we kind of like to deliver services digitally in a way that they like to consume these professional services. So let's kind of go after them. And then just over time, you know, a series of six to seven years, you start narrowing your niche and committing to a narrower group of clients. Um, and then you, you start adding in coaching and you kind of you stink at it at first for a while. Uh, you keep doing it, and it's just something. Coaching is something I'm really, really good at. It's just one of my strengths. Uh, I read a lot about coaching. Uh, there's a lot of psychology to that, and you know, over time, it just becomes something you enjoy. Um, and then if you can build trusted relationship with these agency owners, uh, they let you kind of push them. Uh, and then just over time, you see you see a lot of different scenarios. You you meet a lot of different types of people. Uh, you get you become a better coach. You stop doing things the way you used to. Uh, you challenge yourself with your own coach. Um, just, you know, it's a commitment over time. You, you get good at it by doing it uh, just one coaching session at a time, really. I'm going to stop Jason right there for a quick word for a sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets and start getting the insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. You probably know that by now, but what you may not know is that we recently launched a platform called Hubstaff Talent that makes it easy for you to find and hire high-quality freelancers around the world. Whether you just need extra hands for a specific project or you're looking for something long-term, Hubstaff Talent is what you need. Best of all, it's 100% free. We don't take a cut and we don't act as a middleman. Our goal is for you to use Hubstaff for time tracking, but you're not required to do so. If you're looking to grow your team with remote freelancers and don't want to pay big fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com today and create a free profile for your agency and start posting your jobs. That's talent.hubstaff.com. All right, let's get back to Jason. I mean, we got into this by saying that every situation is different, but typically speaking and generalizing a bit, do you often push your agency clients to develop some expertise like this? You know, it it really depends. Um, I mean, I think if you read any kind of, you know, positioning or marketing book, they're going to say that, you know, developing a niche is uh, is a great way to become an expert, increase your value and then increase your price. Uh, and I and I agree. But there's a lot of ways to stumble along the way. Um, you know, some people uh, it, like you can go really narrow in your niche, but sometimes you can narrow too quickly. And some people do that. They go, all right, nobody. I've We've done that. You know, we've even stumbled over that. Uh, just cutting everybody off and saying only this niche. Well, you've just you've shrunken your market so fast and so quickly. A lot of times your the marketing you do as an agency and how you reach out and business development has to be so sophisticated um, to match the narrowness of your of your niche. So anytime you're trying to narrow what you're basically saying is I'm an expert. I get to narrow because we have a certain expertise. And so if you don't really have an expertise, 
Um, narrowing may not give you what you want it to give you. It may just give you uh, a pool of a lot smaller clients to try to find. And, you know, that's not, that's only valuable if you actually have the expertise where those clients are reaching out and trying to find you. Um, so there's a lot there's a lot of components to uh, niching in a narrow way. And, and it is very valuable, uh, but you can also mess it up and it can hurt your cash flow pretty immediately if you're not careful. Yeah, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg situation because if you don't narrow, if you keep taking anybody with an open checkbook as your client, then it's going to be really hard to get expertise in a specific field. But if you narrow too quickly, you might not get enough clients in that niche to actually teach you the expertise and to learn from them. So it's a fine balance. But I'm glad you hit on that because a lot of people assume when they hear these experts on positioning who honestly I, I agree with them in a lot of cases I, I think there is real value there but a lot of people think that it's like all right overnight I'm now going to be an expert for this new niche and everyone else that doesn't fit it you got to go and, and it doesn't need to be the case it can be a much slower transition and it even can just be so much as so like all right I'm going to try to get a few more of these agency clients or I'm going to try to get a few more of these dentists or whatever it is that you're going after and just slowly kind of ease your way into it yeah. And there's some, you know, there's some other components too that I think trip people up. They, you can, you can position narrowly. That is, you can redo your brand and redo your website and position yourself to a new market and say, we are experts at healthcare. Um, and a lot of owners think, well, that means I can only do healthcare. Well, that's not true. All you've done is you've, uh, you've redone your positioning. You've started uh, crafting a specific message to a certain target market. And that's good. But it doesn't mean, your internal client list doesn't necessarily have to reflect that. I mean, you can go change. You can have all dentists and then you can say, we're going to only start working with, I don't know, chiropractors or something like that. You can build your site and said, we are for chiropractors. We help them grow uh, and just keep your dentists. It's OK. Uh, nobody's going to you know, find out you're a fraud or anything like that. You're just being smart in how you run a business. Uh, you've started speaking to the people you ultimately want to serve while you're still serving the older focus or a more traditional or a broader base of clients that you've had before. Um, and, you know, sometimes a broader base of clients that are uh, less focused is, is, is a way to spread risk too. So sometimes if you, if you're niched, well, maybe that should be a 25%, uh, you know, like 25% of your revenue would be safe to keep inside of a niche. Uh, and then your broader base are just a bunch of other clients, um, and, you know, they're just healthy businesses that pay you. Uh, and that's fine to keep those clients because re you really do have to protect your cash. Cash is so important. I mean, it's like oxygen to a business. If you don't have cash, I mean, it just sucks the life out of the owner. It's a very fearful thing. Uh, I've done that. I've made those mistakes. And when you do have cash, it makes you think differently. You act differently. You invest in different ways. You invest more quickly. And so... You know, you got to do it. Whatever you do, what, however you position, however you narrow, however you market, protect your cash uh, at 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 all costs. That's that's really really important for a healthy business. Do you have general rules of thumbs for at least like a minimum of, of say an agency that's doing all right? They're they're growing. They're maybe at around they have five to eight people on board. Like. How much cash in terms of monthly expenses should they be keeping on hand? 
Yeah, and a lot of times <laughs> I, I I say that depends to everything, right, Andy? And, and I'm sorry. That's the way. That's really the way financials are. Um, you could say three to six months worth of expenses is a great thing, you know, to save, and you should be saving some kind of level of. Uh, this much in monthly expenses is what I want to save. Um, but, you know, it depends on the risk profile of the owner, too. Some of them may be very fearful. Um, and so, you know, if they're fear, you know, if if the agency owner is very fearful, uh, they may want six months in the bank. Um, but then a coach might come and say, you need to release some of that money uh, because you're now failing to invest uh, we see, you know, we see signs of you being able to grow, but to grow often takes investment. So you got to you got to take a little more risk if you want to scale your business and start investing in this new type of service that you think could be profitable. You need to test that. And so, you know, to somebody who's ready to take risk, we might say, um, you know, release some of that cash and bring your savings down to three to four months worth of uh, monthly savings in the or monthly expenses in the bank to keep you safe. Every answer has a kind of qualification of it depends on, on X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, there are still just minimums. There are ranges that, that you can share. And I'm glad that you did share those just so people can have that in mind. Because at a certain point, like you said, depending on your risk profile, if you're ultra conservative, you're going to want to save more than others. But you're then sacrificing potential growth for peace of mind. And there is a balance there. And on the other end of the equation, if you're just all about growth and say, oh, we'll, we'll hit out of the park every time, we'll get to business when we need it, that's okay. But you're sacrificing stability. You're, you're sacrificing the long-term prospects of your company by cutting it narrow. So by, by keeping in a reasonable range, I, I think that was really helpful advice. Yeah. And I have a lot of coaching sayings, I guess, but I like to tell my coaching clients, you're, you're always saying a yes and you're always saying a no. So if you're saying yes to something like, I'm going to go hire somebody, I'm going to take a risk, hire this new position. You're actually at the same time saying no to something else. And we don't always know what that is, right? We can't vet out what is the no we're saying, but a coach can help you figure out, well, here's what you don't get to do with that money. And similar to, you know, when you say no to something or somebody or a client, you're you're probably saying yes to some something else. And it, it's hard because we don't know what those no's and yeses are, but it's it's important to understand when you're running a business, you're always saying yes and no at the same time. And just vetting that out is super important. I think that's great advice. And, and so before we start wrapping up, I've got one question about just offering advice, some actionable advice for the listeners. And say someone's at about the 500K mark and they've gotten there primarily through word of mouth and all of that. They're doing okay. They're growing. They maybe have a few employees on staff as well as a few contractors left over. But they haven't really taken the numbers that seriously. They're doing what they're supposed to, the bare minimum. They're paying their taxes on time. They're, fought, they're using QuickBooks to stay on top of things. But they're ready to get a bit more more deliberate and serious about the process. What advice would you have for them to to make that first step? So at that level, $500,000 in revenue, that that agency owner really needs to start moving away from the details, not only the financial details, um, but they need to move away from the technical creative service details um, in some way. Or, or at least take a you know a creative director um, you know position or something like that in their own agency. So I would say it's time to start giving up uh, the creation of your numbers. You know, which is you're either doing your invoicing, you're doing your bookkeeping 
housekeeping, uh, start start thinking about outsourcing that in a small way um, so that uh, the agency owner has time to look at summarized financials and say, what is this telling me? Uh, they really need to start looking at trends. Uh, they need to know, you know, am I am I returning the right kind of labor metrics on the money I'm spending on labor? If not, who who's kind of my weakest link or are, are my prices right? Uh, maybe my labor's right. I got all good people. They're very caring and I pay them, you know, a decent wage, but they do a lot of good work. Well, maybe they're more valuable than I think. And so maybe I need to be pricing my services higher. Um, so I, I would say get it's time to move away from details. There's really not going to be any transformation or scaling or growth uh, in those details. Now, they're important. They're very important. I'm just saying somebody else can do that. It's really not hard for accountants to do the numbers. Um, and if you're an agency owner, I would say, please don't go take a QuickBooks class. That's not a good use of your time. And we hear some people want to do that. And that's just that's not going to transform you or change you or grow you in any way. Right. This being penny wise and pound foolish, you, the biggest asset you have is not going to be spending a few hours a week putting your books together when you're the agency owner. There's a lot of higher right. value tasks that you can attend to. And right. I mean, at right. the small but growing agencies, that's one of the biggest issues is the owners distancing themselves from the day-to-day work and, and getting into the big picture. So I think that advice was great. And I want to thank you for that. But before I finally say goodbye, I'd like to ask all of my guests a few just quick rapid fire questions. And the questions are going to be pretty short, but your responses don't have to be. Just wherever direction you want to go is fine. And so the first one is just, what do you spend too much time doing? Yeah, it's, you know, it's probably, you know, we do podcasting too. And it's it's probably things around the administrative tasks of, you know, running podcasts and, you know, publishing those podcasts. Um, that's something my partner and I are thinking about moving off my plate. Um, I'm not really delivering a lot of huge value to anybody in, you know, putting podcasts out. Um, not not delivering the content. I mean, packaging it, you know, doing the technical side. Right. You know. Literally yeah. putting it all together. Yeah. yeah. What do you not spend enough time doing? What are some of those higher value tasks that you could put more effort and time into? I think um, at, you know, at, at the pace of our growth and the things we're working on, um, I really need to be focusing on my knowledge and increasing my knowledge. So reading is probably something I don't spend enough time on. Uh, you know, I've got four good books that I'm trying to I'm trying to read and I just don't seem to have enough time to do it. So that's probably a good thing I need to spend a lot more time on. And so other than reading those four books, what are you hoping to accomplish in the next quarter? Um, we want to get a stronger base of a team. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're in the middle of hiring. Um, we want to have a, a good tax season because we're in the middle of a tax season. So that's something. And we've, we improve that every year. My partner helps me improve these processes and uh, make them much stronger. So we want to add to our team, uh, really get, get through a, a, a pretty solid process of a tax season, which is a new process we've built. Um, and we're, we're trying to build out a, a safer, broader base of client, too. Uh, so we've served some larger agencies in the past, and we're looking to serve some of those $500,000 uh, agencies because uh, they're, 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 they're a great client. They, they really trust you. Uh, and a lot of those clients can really uh, reduce some of the risk we have in our firm. So it's switching up our client mix a little bit uh, is what we're interested in doing 
uh, probably over the, that that kind of thing takes you know a year or two to kind of build that out. So that's kind of the marketing we're doing over this next year or this next quarter is really focused on those types of clients. And then do you see any potential obstacles that could get in the way and prevent you from getting there? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, sometimes you want to make an investment in a team member uh, and you might not have the cash or you might not want to invest that cash right now. Uh, so it's really just considering our own risk profile as to what do we want to invest our money in, um, you know, and probably time, you know, um, you know, I do the price. I do the marketing. Um, so just develop, you know, devoting the time to the marketing, the coffee meetings and the networking that you have to do. We're doing a good bit of that now, uh, but that needs to continue. And it's hard to continue that, you know, during, you know, busier seasons like a tax season for a firm like us. Absolutely. Honestly, Jason, you gave us so much today. And I want to say thanks a ton for coming on the show. But the last thing I want to ask is that if listeners want to hear more from you, if they enjoyed listening to you talk, if they think maybe you could help them out with some of their finances, what are the best places for them to go to to check you out, to check out your company? Yeah. So they can go to BlummerCPAs.com, and that's B-L-U-M-E-R, B-L-U-M-E-R-C-P-A-S, BlummerCPAs.com. Uh, or you can email our firm at info at BlummerCPAs.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason M. Blummer. And I do a good bit of writing and content creation, f- you know, that people uh, can use for to consider growth. And that's kind of the things I write about. Um, so uh, we have a podcast called The Businessology Show. Uh, and that's a great podcast. We try to put one of those out per month. Um, so those are probably the best places to find me. Yep. Awesome. I'll make sure to get all of that linked up in the show notes. And again, I just want to say thank you so much for your time today. It was a lot of fun chatting. Thanks, Andy, for having me, man. This is a great chat. As much as we wish there was just a simple answer to the question of when can I afford to hire somebody, it just isn't that simple in reality. That being said, Jason gave a great framework to use to think about these decisions and weigh the pros and cons that are unique to your situation so you can make the best decision for you and your team. Ultimately, though, the message I got from this interview is that agency owners need to do whatever they can to spend as much of their time as possible focusing on the strategic side of the business rather than the day-to-day administration. Outsourcing bookkeeping is a great way to start for most agencies, but it's also important to look at everything you spend your time on so you can start delegating the things that others can do and eliminating the things that don't need to be done at all so you can focus on what really matters and will drive your agency forward. If this is something you're interested in, check out episode number 36 of this show with Mandy Ellefson, who shares how to find more time to work on your agency rather than in it. That's all I have for this week. If you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews really help us grow our audience. So if you take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, if your agency is looking to hire remote contractors or maybe even looking for a few extra projects and are tired of paying huge fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com and create a profile. It's 100% free. All right, I'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.